Hello, everybody, and welcome to a playoff edition of Breaking a Baseball News Podcast here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I am Tim Jackson with TC Zenka, as always, and TC. We are here finally after many, many months and many, many hours spent watching games. Here finally at the precipice of the playoffs. It's wild card <laughs> night. How are you feeling? Dude, that's that season is so long. It is a, such a long season. I am pumped. Now now it begins. This is going to be good. We got, you know, one month of really exciting baseball here, and it starts tonight. I mean, Yankees-Red Sox tonight, one game, winner take all. I mean, it's, it's amazing. These two cities are going to just collapse into themselves. And uh, if they don't, the world might in the meantime as we wait. I think this game will... It starts at, what, 8.08 p.m. or something uh, silly and nuanced, and I believe it'll start on uh, or end on August the 8th of 2022. <laughs> I think it's just going to be one of those games. Uh, and if we're listening to Alex Cora, he's saying the baseball world couldn't be happier. Uh, and, of course, like you're saying, it's going to be a fun game, a lot of fun. Uh, but, boy, I hope it's not super-duper long. There's a StatCast broadcast on tonight. By the time you hear this tomorrow, we will know who is going to the divisional round. And... I think yeah, one of the literally things... tomorrow, because it will definitely be into tomorrow before we yeah. even know. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the big things is, uh, you know, I, so many teams fought. We had so many ridiculous lead-ups into the playoffs in terms of who was making it or who would be playing when and where. And what about the five-way and four-way and three-way tiebreaker? And we're here. We know who the teams are. But... Even the best playoff odds are really kind of just a coin flip. And if they're really just a coin flip, what we want to explore in this week's big idea is a coin flip shot at winning the World Series worth it for each of these teams. So TC, we've got all the teams, the bracket's full, it's lined up. Let's start with the Yankees and Red Sox, being that they are kicking us off. We're recording here on on Tuesday night because uh, it's actually my wedding anniversary with my wife tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. So by the time we hear this, divisional round is set. TC, is a coin flip shot at winning the World Series worth it for the New York Yankees? I mean, it depends on what what you're comparing it against, I suppose. I mean, yeah, they want to be here, right? It's this versus nothing. Is it worth the millions of dollars that they've put into the payroll? Is it worth, you know, what, the, take, taking a shot at a longer term? I guess what we're asking is what? Is this a, is it worth it one season versus trying to prepare for the 50, 50% shot year after year after year? And this is what you play for, right? So for the, I mean, the Yankees only play for the postseason. So a coin flip is not ideal but for them i feel like they they always assume that they have a better shot than that because of their history because of their kind of moxie as a as a premier organization for the yankees i think it's always worth it like they yeah they want to be here right so yeah and i guess that's a fair thing to bring up are we clarifying this as like you know they're happy to be here they're happy to be also rands or i guess really who's happier of these teams or fan bases if they happen to lose sooner yeah, got in that case, teams. yeah, in that case, the Yankees, uh, no, they're not happy. They, the Yankees <laughs> want to win the World Series. If they don't win the World Series, I mean, the, the, the city was going to riot if they didn't make the playoffs, if they didn't make the wild card game. They were, they were barely able to re- resign themselves to the fact that they weren't going to win the division, even though we've known that for weeks. But the Yankees, no, if the Yankees lose tonight, it's disaster. Like, Garrett Cole on the mound, doesn't matter that they're on the road. 
doesn't matter that if they win, they have to still have to go play the Rays. If they lose, this, I mean, especially yet Yankees Red Sox. If, if the Yankees lose this game tonight, like you never blow it up in New York, but it's disaster time, right? Yeah, and and that's you know really what I guess I wanted to get into, especially with the Yankees, these bigger marquee names in the playoffs. Is it is it realistic to think that that you have more than a coin flip shot, or that you've you've earned more than a coin flip? just based on things like the roster, like I'm trying to understand where fan expectations fit into this a little bit. And I'm also trying to understand, like we've talked about this a little bit in terms of just how successful the Yankees truly have been for the better part of really our entire lives. Right. We're talking yeah. like decades. Yeah. You know, like, Is it satisfactory in any regard? Like how, how, what's the best way to look at the New York Yankees having made a one game playoff? I mean, because that is the thing, right? This is an organization that demands excellence. And and given where they were a month ago, you know, you feel pretty good about this, actually. You feel like, okay, New York, you stepped up. Stanton's your guy now. You swept the Red Sox, like, barely a week ago. You feel pretty good going into Fenway Park with this one-game playoff of the line. You always feel like the Red Sox are your little brother. And, and they always got that kind of big brother complex. It doesn't matter that the Red Sox have won so many more times recently. I think the the Yankees still go into this game feeling like they're the team to beat, especially with they got Garrett Cole on the mound, right? Like they, they got they got the ace and the Red Sox, and they're facing a guy. So not only do they go in with the, the comfort of having played in Fenway Park and being the Yankees and, and kind of being not intimidated about being in that space, certainly not like the inverse would have been like the fan expectation is like, Oh, we're fine. And we're, we're good to go. But also they face Nate Evaldi. I think seven, I think this will be the seventh time that they're facing him this season. They know this guy, like the hitters on this Yankee roster, they know Evaldi. They know exactly what they're getting here. And I think they're going in feeling very good about their chances right now, just because of the way they've played in the last you know month or so, you know, you could take a, take a long-term stance at, at it and and just you know think about how the Yankees still aren't where they want to be as an organization and still aren't in that like kind of dominant position that the Rays are in right now. They feel like they should be the Rays, but as of short-term expectations where they've been, the Yankees had to feel both pretty satisfied to be in this one game playoff and pretty confident about being there. So are the Red Sox in a similar position having basically made it by the skin of their teeth and having really no expectations for 2021 in terms of public perspective? You know, I don't I don't know how the public feels about the Red Sox. Every time I watch the Red Sox, I can't help but think of the fact that Mookie Betts should be in there instead of Alex Verdugo. They're just like right now it's one to one. It's still just one to one. It's like, okay, you got Connor Wong on the roster, so like he kind of counts, I guess, as part of that trade, but you could have just kept bets and you'd still be in this spot. And like, you know, the, the turnaround wouldn't have been helped that much. So I just I, I can't help but think that all the time. And and you know, sale like the Red Sox aren't they don't have the cachet that they used to, I don't think. Certainly not because, you know, Sale is an anti-vaxxer. He's gotten COVID twice. He's got some negative public perception stuff going on. Alex Cora, you know, was a darling manager in 2018. Now he's like a comeback guy who was who was out of baseball, who was, you know, banned for, suspended for a year. And, you know, the public isn't so hot on him anymore, even if Boston still likes him. So, you know, they've got some like public enemy stuff now. They're definitely not quite the darlings that they used to be. They're like darling underdogs of the of the you know early aughts, those David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez teams, or even even when you know 
Devers and Xander Bogot's first run with this team, there, there's some like negative juju around them internally. I think it's, I'm sure it's different, but like public perception wise, I'm not sure anyone outside of, I think it's probably much more split now than it used to be outside of Boston and New York. Yeah, I, I think it is. And it's really interesting the way you built them up as you were describing the Red Sox as currently constituted. What I thought of was this sounds more like an evil empire than the Yankees do at this point. And this Yankees yeah. team has a lot of likable guys on it, right? Like Stanton, uh, amazingly likable. Uh, Judge has done some amazing things on the field. Uh, they, they have similar guys, like guys up and down the roster that are easier to cheer for almost. Yeah. Rizzo, and, fun guy. Gallo, yeah. fun guy. Like the guy, yeah, even like you have the Garrett, even Kyle Higa- Higashioka, you got him in there with Garrett Cole. Like that's fun. Is, is he? Yeah. I, I think he'll be in I, there, right? I don't think, th- right. And I don't think they're villainized or vilified the same way they are in New York. Like so, New Yorkers hate some of these players. They are exhausted with them, which is like another topic for, you know, how long a New Yorker has an attention span or uh, endurance for some of their players. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned something that you can't help but look in the Red Sox roster. And every time you see him play, you just can't help but think that Mookie Betts should be out there for them. Now they won 92 games. They went 92 and 70 without Mookie Betts. So is there any answer but yes, if we ask if the Red Sox, if this is worth it for them, a coin flip? Like, sure, they could have done it with Betts. They maybe end up in a really similar spot, but they have a way, you know, where we cost efficiency, way more play role, fewer parts. Maybe not, they lack some of the depth pieces that, that, that have gotten them to this point. Is it anything but a resounding yes for the Red Sox to be here in terms of a coin flip, in terms of having lost the cachet, in terms of being more vilified in the last couple of years? I guess so. I mean, they're kind of in the opposite place of the Yankees and that they started out so hot that like they were such a such a, you know, interesting story and that like they weren't expected to be much, any good. And, you know, unlike the Giants, who we'll get to later, like, you know, it was the Giants and Red Sox at the beginning of the season, like yep. teams that we didn't think that highly of. And then all of a sudden they were in first place and the Red Sox really fell off. They've been about 500 for 60 games or so. Like they, they have not been. They got off to a hot start, but they've really slowed down and, and you know, it got to the point where it's like, oh, they they got the division, and then the division slipped away, and it was like, okay, well, they got the wild card, but the wild card slipped away, and they were barely able to hold on. It took some, you know, late game heroics from Raphael Devers against an awful Nats team to hold on to this spot. And so, yeah, I mean, you got to feel good about it, I guess. I mean, you got to feel good about being there, the way the rotation was kind of put together, and with Eduardo Rodriguez coming back from myocarditis, and Chris Sale coming back from Tommy John, and, and like you know, you had pieces that you didn't really expect to be there. Nobody really expected your team to be here. So I guess you feel good at the same time. You know, I don't feel good about the Red Sox ability to stick it in this in this postseason, and they feel like they, I don't know that they're as as have as strong of a unit built for the future as we as we might expect for a team that like really kind of came up out of the blue this year, right? Like going into our, you know, already next season, you know, jump ahead the way too early standings. They're probably projected fourth place already. Right. Which maybe they like, maybe they like being the underdog a little bit, but there's as much downside for them in a game at home against the Yankees as there is upside. Yeah. And that's massive in terms of the downside for the Red Sox and what we might look at for this division next year given that the Jays were eliminated by the skin of their teeth, given that the Mariners were on such a run that even if they regress next year because they have such a crazy uh, run differential this year, they could get better and regress. But these teams might all still be in the same 
ballpark, relatively speaking, next year when it comes to competing. And that seems like a really big deal for a Red Sox team that definitely does as downside uh, if they do lose and definitely does seem a little more vulnerable, even though pretty much anything you could look up doesn't really emphasize the way you play before you get into the playoffs. So it really is a clean slate. That's the whole point of this exercise, right? That it's a coin flip that we are in a spot to say anything goes, anything could happen, and we know it's going to get weird. Uh, You know, when it it comes to the Cardinals and Dodgers, our other wild card game, is there more, uh, I guess this is a leading question, but we'll allow it. And by we'll allow it, I mean I'll allow it, uh, (laughs) as I'm the one asking it. Uh, Is there one of these teams that lines up more with the Yankees in terms of if a coin flip shot is satisfying or like the Red Sox, where it's like, well, I guess we're just kind of happy to end up here. Well, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals, you definitely have to take as the team that you are happy to be there. The, the Dodgers, you know, it wasn't their fault where they are. I think they can feel good about themselves and that, like, this isn't a situation where they lost the division and, you know, collapsed at the last minute or something and gave away the division. Like, no, the Giants took this division. The Dodgers were the second best team in baseball. They had injuries all over the roster and they still won 106 games. I think it's disappointing to be in this game, but at the same time, like, like this team is, is they have a really resilient crew right now. They got Max Scherzer leading the way in this game. I don't think the Dodgers feel bad about being in this game. I think they feel pumped and ready to go. I think they, they probably have the exact right attitude going into this game. And I, and I don't think there's any kind of letdown on their part um, for the Cardinals. I do think they're, they're more the like, Hey, this is amazing. We got here that, you know, they're, are they still like coming off their high of their win streak? Like they had their maybe their their best moment of their season is maybe already in the rear view. And you know, they gotta really ride Adam Wainwright tonight to to try to win this game. Yeah, and you know, they have a lot of really likable players too, despite I feel like they're just still a, not a very likable or, or exciting team. Like Paul Goldschmidt, a lot of fun. We talked about him. Uh, reestablishing himself, Nolan Arenado. Fun to see him be out of Coors and uh, you know out of the Rockies org. Uh, Wainwright, of course, one of these guys. He like we'll, we can touch on this later, but he just got extended for 2022. We talked about how valuable he is, uh, but it's almost like I, I wonder if they like. Uh, of course, now I've got a counterpoint to saying everything that leads up to the postseason doesn't really matter, right? But. I wonder if a team like this is maybe pushing out of gas, right? Because this is like the old hockey argument of like, well, right. they've had to play basically playoff uh, playoff caliber games for two months already. <laughs> kind of wild to go into the postseason in that kind of mindset, is it not? It is, but I mean, I, I mean, there's a flip side to everything. I, and I also think that that can kind of help rather than the Dodgers who've been, I mean, I think it really helps the Dodgers that the Giants have pushed them so much that they, they weren't able to just kind of relax going into this postseason. So I think both teams are really kind of in that place of, of having been competing on the Dodgers went right down to the final game of the season, trying to win the, the division title, won that final game. So I think in terms of like, you know, they've been playing postseason baseball for a month. I think you can kind of put both teams in that category and kind of cancel each other out and, you know, put them in an equal footing in terms of that, you know, whatever, you know, statistic we want to call that, whatever the, the like intangible category we're putting that into. What I'm hearing you say is that this game seems ripe for more chaos. Is that an accurate read of what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Scherzer, Wainwright, the Cardinals are just, they're the type of team, right? They, they never give up. They're the type of franchise that always has wacky things going on in the postseason, whether it's a, you know, a barely 500 team 
going all the way or the the David Freeze nonsense in the World Series, even going down to the like, you know, the the games against the the Dodgers where they absolutely annihilated the Dodgers in one inning or the Braves in one inning to to close out their NLDS and then get like yeah. resoundingly swept by the Nationals, yeah. like barely getting any hits <laughs> in that series. Like something wacky is bound to happen with the Cardinals, especially with with Wainwright and Molina in there going against Max Scherzer, who, you know, Max isn't faultless. Like he's going to give him a good start, but like, I don't expect it to be, you know, a shutout from Scherzer. He'll make some mistakes. He'll give up some, he'll give up some knocks. It's just a matter yeah. of, you know, can they, can the, can Wainwright keep that Dodgers lineup down? Yeah. And we know that the Dodgers are really built for death by depth, right? Like, and, and they lost Max Muncy. Uh, really, the Cardinals are the healthiest wild card team right now. Uh, the Dodgers just lost Max Muncie. JD Martinez is not on the Red Sox roster because of an ankle injury. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is also out for the Yankees. Uh, so th- I don't know. Maybe there's something there. It's true, and and you know I haven't looked. I haven't seen the lineups yet, but like I don't think he's going to start. But imagine <laughs> the nonsense, the like the like cosmic nonsense of Max Muncie getting hurt in the last day of the season, so that Albert Pujols has to start the wild card game <laughs> against the Cardinals, like. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I I wish they would start him. I'm sure they're going to keep him on the bench and use him as a pinch hitter at some point against, you know, try to stick him in there against some left-hander. And and certainly Albert is still is still good for that. But, man, it sure would be something to see Albert in the starting lineup against the Cardinals because of this last-minute injury. I mean, that would be pretty cool. That would be fun. I Like you're saying, I, that has to be like Earth-72 in terms of outcomes if we're on Earth-1, <laughs> right? Like yeah. maybe even further out, but... Uh, God, that would be incredible. And, and it's hard not to see a, a chance for him to get into the game, right? Like, he's definitely in line, I think, to get an at-bat because he's been so good against left-handers that if the Cardinals dare bring in a lefty, it's hard not to see Albert maybe taking a, a pinch hit should the moment arise. That's totally true. I mean, he's not his placement on the Dodgers roster has not been fan service. Like, that is, he has been, they got him because they saw utility in his skill set, and they have used it. They have absolutely used it. Yeah, and, and you know, the, it just seems like such a critical part, knowing how to use your guys, like such a basic thing to say out loud. But also, <laughs> like, we know some teams are not good at it. Cough, Phillies, cough, cough, Rockies, <laughs> and, and so on. Uh, but, you know, let's let's keep a look at, keep an eye toward these other teams whose opponents may or may not be set, given that they did win their divisions. Uh, we can keep going down the line here. And this one I'm very interested in your response, TC, for whether or not a coin flip shot at winning the World Series is worth it for those Tampa Bay Rays who won 100 games. They won 100 games. Could it possibly be totally satisfying for them to have a season where they don't win at all? Isn't, it like, is this, isn't this just how the Rays operate? They're happy to not win at all if they, if they get close and they just take the shot? In the past, yes. Now I don't see it. Like in this this season, when Wander Franco has come on and been amazing, when they like bull rushed the NL East to take this division a year after pushing the Dodgers to six games in the World Series, like I think expectations are actually high. I don't I think this is one of those years where it's like you're coming back again, you're you're as good as you've ever been. You feel really good about the future, of course, but like why not now? I think the Rays I think They'll probably, honestly, I think they'll probably be okay if they make it to the ALCS. I think if they're not the last NL East team standing, it'll be disappointing. 
Yeah, the, the last uh, AL East team. And yeah, I would agree, right? Like, I, I mean, it's hard to pick against them because they've been so good because they have been able to rotate through everybody and they are able to pull up Shane Boz at, out of nowhere at the end of the season. And, you know, an injury gets him onto the postseason roster where now they've got Boz and Mc, McClanahan set up to start games one and two. Pretty wild coming at, at a team like that, right? From from that side and, and the way those guys can pitch, it's almost like, oh, and they have Wander Franco and, and, and an entire lineup that can just, like, beat you over? Yeah, I mean, they, they have no starting rotation. It's it's kind of amazing. They're like, the two days ago, it was not at all clear who was going to start these games. And even with Boz in there, like, I don't know. He's not going to get – he'll have a couple of innings. Same with McClanahan. Like, McClanahan might go a little deeper, but, like – it's not like these guys are going deep in the games. The fact that they're starting means that they're essentially long relievers on this race team. It's going to be a team effort. Everyone on that roster is going to be used and they're just going to continue to push it for this, for this postseason run the same way they did last time. I mean, last year they ran out of gas at the end. So we'll see if they try to do anything different. If they try to push McClanahan to five, six innings or something, but I don't think so. I think especially in the early going, we're going to see them use the whole roster. We're going to see him use it a lot. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the way that they don't really have starting pitchers. Uh, Shane McClanahan and Shane Boz are listed as one and two, probably because of the way it's been set, for the rotation's been set for the playoffs. But they're listed as one and two on roster resource at Fangraphs. The average age of people technically as starter, starting pitches, pitchers, oh my goodness, uh, we'll meet harder phrases, but I hope they are easier <sighs> to say. Uh, 26.6 years old. Out of their five starters, it's McClanahan, Boz, uh, Drew Rasmussen, Ryan Yarbrough, and Michael Waka pulling up the rear, uh, both in terms of the rotation and age for the rotation at a uh, at a just ghastly 30.3 years old. So something certainly to, to watch. But although, you know, all of this said, I think I'm more pessimistic about perception within the org or around the org, given their, their uh, difficulties with their fan base, uh, that there is any pressure because yeah they've got Franco up now they, they called up Boz he's probably going to be on an inning uh, limit because of the inning he threw this year in the minors uh, they did not call Franco up to use him in the actual games in the playoffs last year even though they could have and gotten him earlier season reps and what does that do for this year like I just I feel like the history is too long with the Rays not calling up Franco probably shaved a little bit of their chance off last year and they seemed okay with it and now that yeah. he's here, it's kind of like, okay, well, great. But it's almost like what else might they be willing to do or take outside of just like, a, you know, for a team that plans so well to play 162 so well, they seem very much to just like surrender in such a way where it's like, well, we did our job. Well, I guess we'll just see what happens. Yeah, and that, and that sense, I think you're right. Like, I think there's very little on the line for the Rays. Like, Eric Neander just got extended five years. We'll talk about that later. But, like, you know, the, Kevin Cash isn't going anywhere the guys who are on the roster already know that they have a tenuous hold on the roster spot because they play for Tampa. Like there's very little that's going to change in this organization, win or lose. Like it's, it's going to, they're going to continue to do the same thing next year. They're going to get pats on the back. Everyone's going to say they had a great season. Even if they lose in, in three games, like literally, even if they lose in three games to the Yankees or Red Sox, it's going to be a great year, great year, Tampa and watch out for next year. Cause you're going to be able to just as tough next year. There is right now there is no like downward trajectory in Tampa, except for the fact that they're going to, you know, Montreal at some point. So it's a, <laughs> and that's an upward tra- trajectory because they're going north. So 
you know, there's I think in that in that sense, you're right, there's very little at risk. They don't really have a lot of pressure on them, which maybe even bode well for them. They can kind of play loose. Fair point. You mentioned pressure. Is is there more pressure on the Chicago White Sox? Are are you know, are they ready to take this step? Are they happy with a coin flip shot or are they kind of on a precipice looking for more where it's like, yeah, like we're not really satisfied with the AL Central. A single playoff series doesn't really do a lot. doesn't really move the needle. We we need to do more next year. Yeah, their manager is on the precipice of death. He's 76 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, they got to win. Now's the time. Tony La Russa's been gone. Like, not going to win now. This I mean, It must feel crazy for La Russa because this is what he was brought in for, right? He was brought in for this, for the playoffs. And they played this whole season. This whole season was a sham. Most of their players, you know, their best players were hurt for much of the season. They played in a stupid division where they could just, like, you know, roll to 93 wins. And in, and even though, you know, you know, the Blue Jays at 91 wins are out, the White Sox haven't had to worry for the last two months about making the playoffs. They're the the, the counterpoint to the Dodgers and the Cardinals, right? Like, if, if they come in and win this, win the whole thing and say, okay, you know, you don't have to be – you don't have to be ready to go. You don't need the month of playoffs before. Like you can just like, you know, roll out of bed and, and come to play. Cause the white Sox have had nothing to play for. Now it's going to be interesting that I don't know that they, this is their first, I mean, last year they made the playoffs, but they were a surprise team and it was because they were, they were a year ahead of schedule and it was the weird, you know, expanded playoffs. Like this is the, this is year one of expectations. We should be in the playoffs. So they don't, you know, there's not a ton of pressure on them right now, but I mean, and, you know, they want to win, of course, but I think that they're still probably a year or two away from like, what's wrong with this team? Why can't they win the postseason? Like, you know, if they fall, if they fall in the first series here, it'll be, you know, there'll be questions like there is with any team, but I think overall it'll still be a, a positive, positive season for them. I mean, they've been, they're kind of a weird team because they've been so far after being the it team for so long, they've been really out of the spotlight for a long time. Like we haven't had to talk about the white Sox in two months. No, and that's kind of wild, all things considered, with all the things they've had going on this year, which we've covered. You know, we, we talked about uh, we talked about Larusa and Yermin Mercedes. We talked about uh, how Elon Jimenez was treated as though he died. We talked about Luis Robert going down. Uh, we talked about all of these things and and more. And now it's like, yeah, you know, they have such a degree of talent where it's like, does it keep playing up? Does Robert keep setting the world on fire because he's been incredible? over the last 30 days. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, do these guys, you know, and, that, and he brings up a question in terms of hitters who survive well or who might perform well in the playoffs because the one thing that sticks out about the playoffs is that the, the obviously the talent pool is shrunk, right? And it's of the best players. So the things we typically expect, guys being able to hit mistake pitches, they're not there as often. The velocity is there a little more frequently. Uh, that you know you got you have guys with nastier breaking balls. Does a guy like uh, Robert who can swing at anything and get his barrel to anything and drive it to off fields with with strength with power, is he like susceptible or more susceptible than anybody else is in the playoffs? Uh, given that the pitching talent tends to be of such a higher quality, I don't know that he's more susceptible. I I think the like. I think the spotlight is going to shine a little brighter on him. And I think there's a little more pressure on him to perform because he's the centerpiece of that offense. And so, you know, you can't expect the role players to play quite as well. And Robert or Robert really has to really has to do his job. And, and, you know, on a team level, of course, like he's the, he's the heartbeat of that offense. So they really need him 
they need him to have good games. They need him to hit these pitchers. But on, even on like the national level, looking at all the teams, he's really he really jumps up. He's really jumped the line here in terms of star players in the spotlight because a lot of the star players in the game are not in this postseason. Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero, like that whole quartet of like super kids, they're all gone. They are done for the year. They're watching at home. Robert really jumps the line. It's like Robert and Wander Franco all of a sudden are some of the most popular players, some of the most like highly touted players who are who are left. Them and it's you know it's Aaron Judge and it's Carlos Correa. So the, like the pressure is on Robert, but also the upside is there. Like Luis Robert can he can become like absolutely a superstar this postseason and the next month. Robert can he can be in the conversation for one of the best players in the game. If he goes off this month, if not, then he'll be, you know, back to being just kind of forgotten in Chicago. I'm like Chicago's other team. Yeah, great. Other- but like, you know, still young and in need of, uh, of more opportunity. Yeah. What about on the flip side, a team like the Houston Astros, which is so experienced at this point, we've talked, you know, periodically all year about this being potentially a last run back for this, this current club as constituted, uh, Yuli Gurriel is toward the end of his uh, his his contract. Is he not right? He'll have one more year after this. Correa is a free agent. Um, Correa is the big one. They have older guys with Altuve and Brantley. Uh, their pitchers are you know that could be a very different looking rotation next year uh, in terms of whether or not what you know how they use that Grinky or, or where he goes or if they sign a veteran to replace him and maybe bump some of their depth. So is this just like old hat? For the Houston Astros, are they along the lines of the Rays having accepted that, you know what, we got here? Of course they want to win, but like from an organizational organizational standpoint, are they in such a spot where it's like, we'll just see what happens because we know it's very easy to lose in the playoffs the same way it's really hard to win? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think this is – I think there's probably some pressure internally. I mean, this is the first real – chance of being back and and kind of not being the internet like the the nation's villains like even though they're not well liked nationally like the 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 their scandal is a little bit beyond them because so many of the guys are gone and so many so much of the team has been broken up I mean they were without George Springer who has been a gigantic playoff performer for them and so this is kind of the beginning of it's a transition year and that like if Correa leaves then it's really the end of that brand of, of Astros because, because those Astros, the 2017 Astros were Correa and they were Altuve and they were, you know, George Springer. And without two thirds of those guys, like it's a different team. It's Jordan Alvarez and it's Kyle Tucker who are going to have to be the, the heartbeat of this offense moving forward. And, and right now the offense is still really good. It'll be really interesting to see what they do with Correa if they decide to go with Jeremy Pena at shortstop. But I think there is going to be some pressure for this team around and they want to win for Baker. They want to win for Dusty Baker who has never, doesn't have his ring. He'd like to get that ring. It would be weird if the Astros won. It would be so weird if the, if the Houston Astros ended up winning this world series, you know, Carlos Correa, I think he goes somewhere else and all of a sudden we can kind of have a fresh slate, have a new, we can kind of put that whole cheating scandal in the past. And Altuve is, you know, we'll be the lone like big face there. And, it starts to be a, a wholly different team from, from that team that won in 2017 this year. It's, it's still them, even without Springer, even without, you know, you know, Verlander and even without Cole like this, they still have much of that roster there. And I think that those guys who are still there, Correa, namely, and Altuve, 
I think they they feel pressure like let's get this win now. Let's prove that we are art that we are talent. That we yeah, we're you know that, that's your talent. That's a really interesting way to phrase it. I was actually having this discussion uh, in class the last couple of days about uh, why is it necessary for someone to continually prove something uh, instead of just achieve it once and be done. And it was in the context of Beowulf and epic heroes and and uh, <laughs> what it you know myth and what it is to create a mythos or mythological through line. Uh, but I feel like maybe that is on some of the Astros to the extent where it's not good enough for just the coin flip for some of them. But like, it, like you're saying, and, and as we've talked, it feels really tough for any for to think of this team in any which way that doesn't end up as thinking they're just going to reboot after this year anyway, right? So like in some sense, I feel like it, it's both. Like it's it's fine for them to just be taking the coin flip aspect. Of course, no player really does that, but. This team could look very different in a year. And in that sense, it's like, we're never not going to try. We might just try differently. And they're really good at adapting, even though they are they are super villains in the league right now. So, you know, we've really tried to make a point to pick one or the other with all these teams. But uh, am I crazy for thinking it's it, we could put a, a both label on the Astros? That it is both satisfying and dissatisfying to, to have just the coin flip opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes some sense again, and, and I do think it's because there's kind of like the split feeling about the team. I mean, and some we've seen with the younger guys who weren't there for 2017, Jordan Alvarez and and Kyle Tucker and and a lot of their young pitchers. Like, I almost wonder if they're just as eager to kind of turn the page and like let's get to next year, where next year we can really win and it's and it's ours. And like you know, internally, and I'm sure they they say, I'm sure they really feel like you know, if we win this year, it's ours, it's ours. But like, Correa is still on the team, and if Correa goes elsewhere. It really that team, the cheating team is really gone. Like, yeah, pretty much gone. And and whoever wins next can really just be new Houston scandal in the past. So I I do kind of wonder if this year, if it won't, if it's not really such a huge deal if if they end up coming short this year again. Except for Carlos Correa and Altuve, who feel differently. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch them uh, because, like you're saying, even any other holdovers aren't as big a name or if they are it's it's kind of just Altuve on his own little island uh so we've got the Giants then as we move more into the NL and you know we we talked about like just how replicable what the Giants have done in 2021 is uh the answer probably not very uh or if it is it's certainly going to be with a different cast of characters and they'll they'll vaunt into that uh, that atmosphere where other teams are that can kind of just churn through and get the most out of whomever is on the roster. But, you know, th- this is a team that has surprised everybody all year long. So much has been said about them, I feel like, over the last calendar month where the Dodgers went on a crazy run. They gained one game on them in the standings in the division, and it wasn't enough. And now, you know, they are kind of like the poster boys for unprecedented, unexpected success, especially in the, in the context of baseball we've seen recently this last calendar year or so. You know, is it is it a disappointment for a 107-win team that looks like the Giants to potentially be like a one-and-done series? Absolutely. I think the Giants have the highest ceiling and the lowest floor in this postseason in terms of the legacy of their team. I think if they lose one series, if they go into the NLDS and they lose, be it to the Dodgers or to the Cardinals, I think we we walk away saying – amazing regular season but you know 
they didn't have, they weren't really a truly amazing team. Whereas if they were to go all the way, if they were to win the world series and Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford and Brandon belt get another ring, you know, they are Reggie Jackson. They are, you know, postseason like gods like all of a sudden this team is not just a good team but they're a great team and they're and they're kind of a a continuation of the previous you know mini dynasty like i think this team wins there becomes a real lore around them and i think it it, it has the potential to change change the game in the way that in the way that contenders often kind of mimic what what has been done recently right and I think we could see a lot of, uh, you know, copying of what the Giants have done if they win. If they lose in that first series, though, it's just they're just going to be chalked up as a as a carnival act. It's like, you know, amazing that they were able to get through that regular season. But you know, they were never as talented. They were never as talented as the as the Dodgers, or they were never as they were never were a true talent 107 win team. I mean, look, they lost to the Cardinals or they weren't as good as the Dodgers. Of course, the Dodgers were going to get them. So I, I think they have a really low floor. I think that the Giants, I think the Giants, much like the the Rays, really need to get that first series. They really need to get at least to the NLCS. Yeah, that's really, I guess, kind of interesting to think of in terms of like, of course, you know, you think about a 107 win team. Of course, it would be disappointing if they left early. Of course, that wouldn't be satisfying to have just had a coin flip chance, but they're not an ordinary 107 win team. So we ha- we kind of have to recalibrate a word we've used a lot this season and the Giants might really embody it better than just about anybody. And uh, even still, it might, even if it is still not satisfying, if it is disappointing, if they lose early, it might be different than what we typically experience when a 107 win team or so on the best team in baseball, whatever record that ends up right. being any given year, loses early on. We talked for a long time this season about, uh, not a long time, but again, intermittently, that this is a team where it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against people in the playoffs. And now it's not going to be hypothetical anymore. We're going <laughs> to finally see it. So it's going to be really, I think, satisfying on that level yeah. just to be able to check out the San Francisco Giants. Oh, yeah. I think I think so for sure. They're going to be a really fun team to watch. That's definitely going to be a series. And whether it's the Cardinals or the Dodgers, I mean, hopefully it's the Dodgers. It would feel very unsatisfying if it's not the Dodgers. If it's the Cardinals, it's kind of like it's kind of a different thing entirely. It's you know two premier franchises that we just we don't understand how they win, and here they are facing off against each other. But either way, it's going to be an exciting series to watch. It's going to be exciting to see how that uh, you know much like the Rays, like how that pitching staff is used over a five game series and, and how Gabe Kapler decides to roll those guys out. Um, you know, how, how much he really rides Kevin Gossman in his starts and, and how short of a leash he has with the other guys. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that series, whoever they play. So am I, and you, you mentioned their rotation. I think Atlanta offers this bit with their outfield, all of the outfield acquisitions they made to, to patch up the holes they inevitably had when it came to losing Acuna came to losing Ozuna uh, you know, having to fill out basically a whole new outfield has worked out really well for them. Are these the kinds of players who could, um, you know, like they, they've already survived so much as a team this season. Is it disappointing if they end up one and done coming out of a weak division that, you know, nobody really seemed to want? Uh, and, you know, they're down so much firepower. Is it like, what do we make of the uh, of, of Atlanta in the playoffs? 
No, they have the least amount of pressure. Like they are like the most. Yes, this is worth it. The, the coin flip team. Yes, this is worth it to be here. We continue our legacy of being. This is our fourth straight division title. But you know, and that's enough for this Braves team. You know, they went through enough. They don't have Acuna. They don't have Soroka. The division was a mess, and and they you know, eighty eight wins gets them in here. It is enough for them to be in this postseason spot. That said, it would be the most baseball thing ever for the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series this year. Like this, this is the type yeah. of team that always wins the World Series. <laughs> They're like, yeah, well, and I can, series. I can just imagine the narrative, like the hashtag narrative of like Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler not wilting in the face of playoff quality caliber pitching. Like we were talking about the chance with the White Sox and their hitters. Uh, you know, seeing a different quality that they than they have seen more regularly this season. Uh, you know, Atlanta's in a spot where it's like, do you expect that kind of guy? Like, could right. you be disappointed if Adam Duvall just isn't a hundred RBI type player in October? Like, right? Not at and all. Can you and imagine like, the the stories if he is? Yeah, I mean, if they win, it's going to be like the 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 love fest for Freddie Freeman is just going to be insane. It's just going to be like oh, yeah. Freddie Freeman's going to be Derek Jeter and we'll never be able to talk him down. Like he's, and, and, you know, production wise. Yeah. He's, you think he has to be the, one of the guys there. Cause is Duval Duval have a moment, right? Solaire. I bet Solaire has a moment. I don't know about Rosario, but certainly that's possible. Jock Peterson's out there. Like, yeah, this outfield, they definitely can have some moments and it's going to be, you know, the narrative side will ha- really have fun. It's also one of those things that's like, you know, Ewing theory, I, like, I don't think this is a Ewing theory team here because baseball doesn't totally work in that way. And because the division, like it, this feels more like the division giving itself to, to Atlanta than it, than it does feel like Atlanta taking the division, right? It was like just the yeah. Atlanta, the Annalise just like giving up and being like, no, 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 you guys should be here. Still, you know, for, you know, it'll be weird if they win without Acuna. Gosh, that would be weird. It'd be so weird, but it could uh, happen, especially with the way Max Fried has been pitching. Like Max Fried was like talked up big time the last couple yeah. of years. This year, he's actually pitching like the guy we've said he was the last couple of years. Pitcher of the month in September, he's been insane. You know, like a one four three ERA or something like that in, in September. He's been really, really good. And if he rolls up and and gives that kind of performance again, like we've expected it in the past from Fried, and we haven't gotten it. So if this is the year that he becomes like you know, there's always a playoff pitcher, right? The, the Strasburg, the Madison Bumgarner, there's always somebody. If it's free this year, I will not be surprised at all. He's, he would be up there on my list. And, you know, that could be enough to really drive him to it. And God, it'd be such a baseball thing for the Braves to go and win it this year. <laughs> uh, it would be uh, just for clarity's sake on uh, Ewing there, if you're not familiar with it, uh, that's like, you know, the, the star player leaving or or getting injured and then the team getting uh, just remarkably better for no reason understandable by the human brain, right? <laughs> uh, and Max Freed has been dominant in September. He went, uh, he threw 41 innings. He had a 1.54 ERA, like you were saying, a 2.88 FIP. Uh, and <laughs> the bat was 190, but I mean, that's, the guys can, can pitch in such a way that Really does suppress Babip uh, from time to time. So definitely, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can carry things over into September. Uh, now that leaves us with the Milwaukee Brewers, who have had a weird couple of years. Right, they are just a weird team, uh, maybe the weirdest NL team possible on a regular basis. Right, and 
are they satisfied at all with are, like our Brewers fans satisfied or the front office with a coin flip chance at a World Series? Or are they like, you know what? We have also been in a weaker division. We need to take hold of this. Like we like we we have two or three like top five pitchers in the league this season in Woodruff and Peralta and Corbin Burns. Like we need to get some business done. Or is it just like, you know what? It just wasn't our year. Yelich wasn't even he was hardly Yelich. Yeah, I don't know with the Brewers. They're they're tough because they're you know in some ways it's like the Brewers are, always feel just like happy to be there. <laughs> At the same time, this team's been there for a while. This is their third division title in the last you know five or so years. You know, if they win this, if they win the World Series this year, you have to give say that this Brewers, this era of Brewers baseball is even is even better than the Cubs era that that the 2016 Cubs, which is really kind of astounding. At that, if you go back to those Cubs teams that were just heralded as just you know, gods of the NL Central, just amazing. The Brewers hung around them and 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 really got beat up those first in 2016 and 2017 by the Cubs. And then they just took over and they have been dominating this division. They haven't won it every year, but they've been in the playoffs every year. Even last year when they were had this bizarro off year and there were 500, but they still made the playoffs. So, I mean, this team has been there. They've been there. They've been to the NLCS in a different market. There's a lot of pressure to win now in Milwaukee. God, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a little bit of happy to be there. Always just kind of happy to be there. And and especially with such a good season, they have such good feels with the, the, the Willie Adamas pickup, even though yeah. Yelich has been off and, you know, it's a different team than they've been in the past. It's, it's hard to really even see how the offense is doing it, but they're doing it. And they, you know, they've, they've got a this group thing and Craig council is one of the best managers in the game, the longest tenured manager in the game. So I think that, you know, they got to get past the Braves too. It'll, it'll be disappointing if they don't given where they are and, and given kind of their standing as, as you know, one of the supposedly one of the top teams in the NL, but I don't know how much pressure they really have to go, to go all the way, especially with like, I don't know. The Bucks just won the the NBA Finals. Like, is there a little pressure off them, or or is it back well, out? And and the Packers, right? Like, there's so much going on with them and Aaron Rodgers. Like, just just from like again, like a Philly perspective, this is an Eagles town, twenty four seven, three sixty five, uh, and it was like hardly less than that when the Phillies were contending every year. And I feel like it can't be too too different up there right now, especially like you're saying, like the Bucks just won. Like, it does feel weird for them to be in such a good spot and also maybe to be without much pressure relative to that, that spot. Yeah. I mean, I think there's really not as much pressure with them. I, I mean, you feel some pressure because like hater has been such a, like hater is one of the faces of this era. Like this era of, of Brewers baseball is it's Christian Yelich and it's, and it's Craig council and it's David Stearns and it's Josh hater. Like that's probably the Mount Rushmore of this era yeah. of, of Brewers baseball, and as good as Brandon Woodruff, Woodruff has been over this this stretch, like he hasn't really been central to their identity. Like Lorenzo Cain is even probably the next guy, even though he hasn't been Lorenzo Cain of old. And 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 Hader has one more year with the team, so maybe next year there's more pressure. But you know, there's always the trade possibility because he's getting so expensive. But and you know, but. The, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the pressure is exactly with this team. I think they'll be okay either way and and kind of chalk it up to it being another really good season in Milwaukee. But they're definitely a team that I'm looking at as as a team that has the potential to go all the way here. 
Yeah, that would be wild, especially with the way Tampa has run the table in other sports. I'm thinking of it, you know, and I guess that includes the Rays in this context with football and and hockey. Yeah. Uh, If if the, you know, if if the Brewers were able to do it for uh, Milwaukee and Wisconsin with basketball and baseball. Uh, So, look, we've gone through whether or not a coin flip shot is satisfying for these teams through various perspectives for all of them so far. And now it's time, TC, as you so uh, thoroughly or reasonably pushed me earlier to uh, spill some digital ink on some picks for the playoffs. Something I dread because it is such a coin flip and I always just feel like I'm lost and grasping at straws. Uh, And nonetheless, here we are for this exercise. So the AL wildcard game, those Yankees at the Red Sox, who do you have? Yankees, baby. It's got to be the Yankees. Can't go. I mean... My big thing with them is, again, this is the seventh or eighth time they're facing Evaldi. They know who this guy is. It's, the pressure is on the Red Sox. This game is all Yankees to me. That's how I feel, too. I feel I have the Yankees coming out of it. Uh, so for the NL Wild Card Cardinals at Dodgers, I have the Cardinals. That is, an insane, the that is an insane and a silly pick. It's in, <laughs> in absolute utter chaos. Uh, and it'll be hilarious. I guess this one was just like, what would be the most ridiculous pick that I could possibly make? So I made it. Uh, although Scherzer losing would be a bummer because he's so much fun to watch. Uh, so I'm assuming you feel the other way. Yes, that is a pick for chaos. The Dodgers are the, the Dodgers are the better team. The Dodgers are there. They got Scherzer. Like these nine innings don't care amazing, about a better team. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. It's a pick for chaos, but it and I could, you know, of course. With Wayne right out there, who knows? But the Dodgers' offense—I I don't know. I, I think the Turner pickup is is just gigantic for them, and to and to have a team with Turner and Mookie Betts at the top of the lineup. I mean, losing Muncie hurts a lot. That is that is a surprisingly big blow for them. But he's still, been I gotta, somehow I gotta go better than ever again for like the eighth year in a row. Yeah, and and I don't know who the I don't know what the Dodgers' pitching situation is going to be after Scherzer. I'll be interesting to see how they play that. But you know, going Mad Max for five. They're going to be in the game, at least. And, you know, I got to I gotta believe in them. My pick is the Dodgers, for sure. Uh, that's fair. Uh, so tell us about the NLDS with, uh, who you know, so you've got basically, who's that, the Dodgers against the Giants and Atlanta and the, and the Brewers facing off. Who do you see coming out of those two matchups? I'm sticking with the Dodgers. I like the Dodgers. They got Urias. They got Scherzer. He'll be back there again. You know Turner, Turner and Betts at the top of that line. I mean, I know, I know it's silly to just keep picking against the Giants because they just keep performing. But I, I still feel like this Dodgers team is the most talented team in baseball, so I got to pick them. On the other side, it's the Brewers. I, I mean, the Braves are the chaos pick, and I could absolutely see it, especially the way Freed has been pitching. But the Brewers have the the starting pitchers like Woodruff. Being able to go Woodruff, Burns, Peralta is huge. Losing Devin Williams hurts a lot, but. But Council is smart. He is, he is a smart game manager, and he will make it work. He will get it to Hayter. Hayter's going to be a big – you know, you can get to Hayter, but he's a big weapon for them for sure against, uh, you know, Ozzy Albies and, and Freddie Freeman, those those lefty bats, Jock Peterson. So I, I got to believe in the Brewers that they're going to, you know, pull that one out. So uh, I am in a similar spot. Uh, you know, if, if I'm picking NLDS, sorry, the dog is going – Bonkers. He must hear other dogs outside. He doesn't right like now. the Brewers, I guess. He's going Braves. <laughs> He's like, you idiot. It's all chaos. We can't stand for this. This is a society. Uh, 
if we're going with the NLDS and I have basically the Cardinals at the Giants and I, I'm I would take the Giants and the Brewers coming out of that. Uh, so there's there's my DS matchup for the NL. For the AL, I would have the Yankees and Rays, and then the White Sox and Astros facing off. Uh, I would take just a pure fun pick, the White Sox over the Astros, and then the Rays over the Yankees, because that has just been a battle the last few years. The, the Rays just seem to keep winning. Uh, how do you see it playing out in the AL? Yeah, I, I can see that happening. The Rays are definitely my pick. They they almost swept the Yankees the last season of the series of the season in the series when they had nothing on the line. Their pitching looks really good. My, I have to go with the Rays there. And on the other side, I think this is the toughest matchup to pick, White Sox versus Astros. I think this is a really tough one. Really tough. I'm going to go with the Astros just because of Carlos Correa, and, and I think they've got the enough there to make it work. I think their offense is going to hit, and I think the, the White Sox pitching, their starting pitching right now is 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 vulnerable. So I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to stick with the Astros and, and say they're going to power through and win another series. That was the logic, uh, the logical pick. I thought about the Astros and just how incredibly – they can control the zone as hitters against the staff that might be a little vulnerable for Chicago. But I was like, I just, the White Sox have been so fun. Like, I just want to watch them more. Uh, so that's how I ended up picking them. Uh, so we have divisional matchups of, uh, you were saying, the Astros and the Rays and the Dodgers and the Brewers. Uh, so who wins the league championship series for you? Who's facing off in the World Series? On the American League side, it's it's easy for me. It's it's the Rays. Like the Rays are the deepest team. I feel like they can handle this. I I don't worry about them. I worry about their stamina, but I don't worry about that till the World Series. I think they're just gonna be. I think they will be able to take out the Astros in the same way that they did last year. It's a little bit you know repeating history here, and and that doesn't often happen in baseball. But I really like what Wander Franco brings to that team. Randy Rosarina. I don't. He's not gonna be what it was last year, but I think they've got enough offense. They they've got some potency there. And and I just like them being able to mix and match their way their way their way through that series. So I'd go with the Rays again. On the the National League side, that gets really tough. My my heart wants to say that the the Brewers are gonna. It's, this is gonna be a year for the Brewers. They're they're gonna figure this out. But if Willie Adamas didn't get hurt, if he'd played all the way through, I'd maybe be believers. But yeah, just the way he came, he got hurt and he was coming back. He's still getting back to where he was before. I'm sticking with Dodgers and it's Dodgers and it's Trey Turner as the, as the NLCS MVP. I'm riding that dude. He's one of the best hitters in baseball underrated and, and Turner and Betts at the top of the lineup. Like Cody Bellinger is going to have some stupid, good hits. Albert Pujols <laughs> is going to have a moment off the bench. Pujols is going to take hater deep one day or something. It's just going to be silly. And, and the, and the Dodgers are going to, they're going to hold on. They're going to be, have home field for that series. So I'm going where this is where we were last year, raising Dodgers again. Uh, I am taking, you know, my, my ALCS ends up being the Rays versus the White Sox, and I'm just picking the White Sox again because they're fun. Yeah, and Robert. Lose Robert, teams superstar. Do fun things. Yeah, how incredible would that be if he was like this season's uh, Rosarino, right? Yeah, and um, Hendricks has been like locked down. Hendricks hasn't given up a run or even a walk all September. Dude's been on fire, yeah. so they, they, you know, they're shutting it down late in games. And we can't say that for Craig, Krim- Craig Kimbrell, but uh, maybe he won't be in as much if he's not pitching as well. And, uh, I, you know, again, I, the, the White Sox can just be so overpowering. Uh, they seem to be a team that enjoys playing with each other. And I think that really starts to matter this time of year. Like we talked about last week, we are beyond sample sizes mattering. We are very much into things just happening and who can be the best at having things happen, uh, whether they make them happen or happen to them. 
uh, and who can roll through them that way. So I've got the White Sox coming out of the AL, and I have the Giants and Brewers facing off in the NLCS. Uh, and I think the Brewers have such a combo of lightning and thunder right now, right? Guys who can strike quick and guy, guys who just bring it all the time. Yeah. They just seem to be in a really good spot to beat a team like the Giants who might be vulnerable, who might be you know, fresh, relatively speaking, because of the way they rotate through the roster, but maybe gassed for playing uh, well beyond any expectation for so long, uh, really from Jump Street, really. So we're talking like late March, and I feel like the Brewers are like, oh, we've been here long enough. They don't have the same pressure. Uh, they've got such an incredible pitching staff that it really seems like they could come out. So, um, TC, we've you know that brings me to my World Series pick, really, uh, with the oh, <laughs> I lost track of it uh, with the Brewers and the White Sox. And White I Sox. just think that I just think that pitching staff is too too much for the White Sox to handle over a seven game series. Uh, so I have the Brewers winning it all. How do you feel about that? And who do you end up having out of uh, the Rays and the Dodgers? I, I like the Brewers pick. I do. They, they were they were very close to being my pick. I, I, I like that decision. Craig Council finally getting one. I think that makes a lot of sense. I can't I can't imagine Tony LaRusso really winning the title in, in this in this having that move work out so well. That's just that just doesn't sit right with me. So I'm going. I you know I feel like it's going chalk and it's going you know the maybe not the popular pick, but the logical pick. And I just, I got to go raise. I think this, I think the Rays have all the talent. I think they're playing loose. I think, you know, even the more we talked about them, the fact that like there's not as much pressure on them. The Dodgers are just as talented as the Dodgers are. They were, they're so beat up this year and there's so much weird stuff going on with them. It just doesn't feel like they're, they, they should be able to go all the way, even though I think they're definitely talented enough to. So I'm, I'm going with the Rays here. I think Kevin Cash, you won't have as many second, you know, won't have as many second, second guessers this time around because he doesn't have the the big names in the rotation and, and he'll be able to mix and match as much, as much as he wants. And this team's young and they're fresh and they're ready to go and they're hungry and they, and they want to win it this year. So I, I, I think I got to go race. I think they're going to get it and then, you know, promptly move to Montreal. <laughs> uh, a fair and brutal point, I guess it really is a nice punctuation mark on the end of what would be the end of a 2021 baseball season. I mean, they played uh, the whole season on the road, right? They're always on the road. They got no home. They're, <laughs> they they, they're good to go. Yeah. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show yeah, that brings us to this week in baseball where we hit a couple of things we did tease earlier. The Rays extending President Eric Neander five years and the Cardinals extending Adam Wainwright for one year and $17.5 million for 2022. How do you feel about those two moves? Are there no-brainers or are there, is there maybe more there? Like, what's to make of these two moves? No, those are both no-brainers. Yeah, lock them in. Those make sense. Of course, I got nothing Absolutely else to say. Absolutely fair. Um, 
this one just is wildly fun. Actually, let's end with that one. Uh, we can talk about this for a minute. Nick Castellanos undecided on whether he would opt out for the rest of his contract this winter. He just had a monster season. Um, he obviously, CBA things up in the air. But also, obviously, things up in the air with the Reds having released, basically, or gotten moved on from their player dev that did so well and, and uh, that maybe helped some of these guys out. What do we make of Nick Castellanos saying publicly, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing yet? And is, is this like calling out the Reds front office, like, make me stay? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the Reds have some weird stuff going on for sure. I feel like Castellanos really liked playing in Cincinnati. I feel like everything he said all year was like, you know, these fans are awesome. I feel like they really embraced them and they need you know, bats there. I mean, Votto isn't going to be around forever. I, I feel like Castanos, who's been kind of, you know, languishing in Detroit for many years and he loved playing in Chicago, but then they let him go. Yeah. I could, I could kind of see Castanos just being one of those guys who just like, no, I, you know, I want him home. Let me, let me be here. And it was tough last time finding, even after a monster season or a monster stretch in Chicago, finding, finding money. Now, if there's going to be a DH in, in the NL, maybe it's different, but again, that's, lots of uncertainty before we even get to that point. So I feel like he is probably on the fence. I don't know that it's really posturing so much as it is just like, it's kind of a tough call for him. I don't know. That's a, that's a really fair point. The idea that maybe a, a place to call home on a regular basis and just not moving again could be really critical for a player like him and the history that he's had. Now here is the fun one, TC. A one-sentence reaction to this bit of news. Hanley Ramirez to play in the Dominican Winter League. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> good for you Hanley why not yeah I just I, I hope we get some updates even you know he just wants to play there to get back playing I hope we get some updates and, and some ideas on that yeah, so look we ran through whatever. <laughs> we ran through all of the playoff matchups and hypotheticals we gave you our picks we talked about whether or not a coin flip opportunity is satisfying and if it is how so uh, so now TC as we've gone through some news notes after that where can we find you uh, through the week? And, you know, where, where can we find you online? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be glued to the screen. I'll be watching those games. So come talk playoffs with me. Uh, you know, tweet at me. I'm at TC Zank on Twitter. Come talk to me in the Pitcherless Discord. And uh, I'll be, you know, rounding up some of the action and, and keeping track of what's being said out there for MLB trade rumors. Uh, I'll be there this Saturday at the very least. So, uh, yeah, come find me. Come talk. I always want to talk baseball, especially now. Playoffs time. Playoff time. Come see. Come yeah. let me know what's up. Yeah, no better time than right now, especially with the playoffs. You can find me online at Tim Jackson Says on Twitter. Uh, be doing some great baseball, or you know, adding to some great baseball coverage with the playoffs at BP. This, this, uh, this. Nah, you can see it. You, you'll be making some great baseball coverage. You can see it. Just yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we're we're doing that at Pitcher List too. So be sure to check out all of the playoff previews. Uh, see all these different perspectives and see what, what everybody's got to offer on these different games because it is such chaos. Uh, find the pod at BreakingPodPL on Twitter at BreakingPodPL at gmail.com to, uh, to email us. We'd love to hear from you. And, you know, we had a great time running through this all this week. As always, we can't wait to see what where we are in a week. Uh, actually, programming note, we'll talk to you in two weeks with the way that the offseason schedule is running uh, for us and the network, the podcast network. So in two weeks, we will have a ton to say about the playoffs and what's happening and what could be happening. We'll be ready uh, so to eat crow we'll... at that point for sure. We'll already know that. <laughs> Come back in two weeks and see how dumb TC and I look. <laughs> uh, but until then, everybody, we hope you have the best two weeks ever, and we'll see you then. <laughs>